0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Justin. Um, Justin is a games writer and podcaster. Most recently, uh, you may be familiar with him because he is primarily responsible for writing the um, Frog Factions 2 ARG that was solved a couple months back uh justin sat down with me and we talked about his experiences with the souls games which is unique and uh kind of different from everybody else's it was a good conversation we had fun everybody take a drink i know i'm from doug feed (laughs) um if you'd like to come on to the show send me an email dguspodcast at gmail.com thanks and enjoy the episode So how did you uh, come to the Dark Souls series?
1: Uh, Well, actually, so a friend of mine, uh, Zach Johnson, who makes the game Kingdom of Loathing, was on an episode of uh, Bonfireside Chat. I think, like, the very first season he did... um, He was on the episode for Undead Berg, So, like, really, really beginning of that podcast before anybody really knew about it, I guess. Uh, And... I listened to that just because, oh, a friend of mine is on a podcast. I'll listen to it. And I had no idea what anyone was talking about. I think I didn't (laughs) didn't, didn't finish it. I was like, okay. Um,
0: but like my my father-in-law listens to my podcast sometimes and he's like, you know what? I really enjoyed that such and such character, but I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm sure it was just the same thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, but I had, I had a friend in college who was really into these games and, uh, when I got a PS3, she lent me her copy of Demon Souls. Uh, I think it was like uh, while we were away for Christmas. And I played it. I heard, oh, this, this game is super hard. It'll challenge you and make you a man. And uh, I had played through games kind of like that because I had done I Want to Be the Guy years ago when that was making the rounds. And I enjoyed that. And I, I got into Demon Souls and I sort of bounced off it really, really hard um i where did you bounce off of it up uh, i think it was out i played through the entire intro and the first boss so i guess bulletarian palace okay uh, and was just like this isn't fun i feel like the difficulty of this is not the difficulty that i was told i would be getting it's not challenging it's just do you know what the enemy placement is then then it's fine like the, the challenge is removed um, I remember blowing through it and fu- feeling sort of like it just wasn't, wasn't good. I, you know, I still kind of feel that way, uh, about Demon Souls. I still don't think that Demon's Souls is actually a good game, which I know is fighting words for a lot of people.
0: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Every but, listener to this podcast is just, just like perked up and looked at their radios and went like, what the hell is he talking about?
1: No, I think that Demon Souls is, is like a, just it, it's half baked. Like it's almost there, but not quite there. And I think it's really interesting to go back to it now that I've, have experience with dark souls as a franchise which i feel mm-hmm. i feel dark souls 1 was like oh they they figured it out they they got it i like there's just stuff in demon souls like world tendency that i feel is terribly designed for what that game is trying to do and what the series trying to do but you know i'm not going to say don't play it i i bought my own copy of it years later to yeah. go back and try it but yeah i i think that like that's not a good starting place for this series <laughs>
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, a lot of people would argue that because they would say that like it's the best because it's the first. So you can kind of, if you play this series in chronological order, you can kind of see the improvements the quality of life improvements that they made along the way.
1: That's no, I, I, I understand that. I respect that. I think that it's at least for me, it was better to go back to it having played what felt like the complete vision as opposed to a thing that, like I said, just felt not quite all the way there yet. Yeah. Uh,
0: I did the same thing, if it makes you... Like, like I played 45 minutes of Demon's Souls and then literally, like, sent it back to Gamefly and didn't think that I would ever touch the series again until um, randomly picking up Dark Souls and then getting hooked on that for, like, six years, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then eventually, like, running out of stuff to do in Dark, so like went back to Demons and was like, oh, yeah, now I know how to play this game and it's fine, so... And, Maybe you're onto something with that not being a good first souls game.
1: Yeah, I like I don't think it's a yeah, I, actually I won't say I don't think it's a bad game, but I don't think it's a terrible game. I think it's an interesting okay. game, but like I'll say that about a lot of things. I don't think BioShock Infinite was a good game, but I thought it was a really interesting failure that I got a lot of enjoyment out of playing. So, mm-hmm. I feel like the way I look at games is not like not being good is not necessarily a bad thing. Sure. So um,
0: it's sometimes when the games like fail in their attempts like it kind of exposes like a, some of the mechanics and some of the thought process behind it that actually proves more interesting than what they were going for in the first place. Yeah. And that, that can always be like really really illuminating especially if you're looking at it from a like a bird's eye point of view.
1: Yeah. So after that I just didn't play Dark Souls until uh, I bought it it was on sale for $5. Uh, and I can tell you when I bought it. I have my receipt. I just dug it up. Uh, it was uh, June 7th, 2015. So way after, it was after Dark Souls 2 came out, even.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. after Bloodborne, right? Am I getting my Yeah, that's after uh, Bloodborne, even.
1: Really? After Bloodborne?
0: Yeah, because that was March of 2015. And then either March or April of 2015. And then Dark Souls 3 mm-hmm. came out of March, or April of
1: 2016. So. Hmm maybe that's maybe this is a second copy then because i definitely bought it before dark souls but i do have a receipt from that date i'm looking at it hmm.
0: uh, well what made you okay. what made you pick it up again after kind of not being about, about being scared not scared off but about being kind of putting it down from demons
1: so okay so i i, I remember the, the the process now so i had it i got a free copy of the game on xbox because it was a games of gold title Gotcha. And so I had played a little bit of it on the Xbox. I had played through uh, up to Firelink. And I think I had gone into the Berg a bit, but I just felt like this is not... The fact that it's, on an Xbox, that it's on the 360 meant that I wasn't going to play it a lot because it was at a point in the 360's life cycle where there was not a good reason for me to turn it on, really. Uh, and I had a good PC. So I waited until it was cheap and then got it on Steam. Uh, And I think part of it, part of me going back to it was, initially it was free. Like, I just had the gold subscription, so it cost me nothing to boot it up. And it seemed interesting enough that it was worth me spending $5 on to check it out, because, you know, game on Steam for $5, even if it's the worst game ever, you're out. Five bucks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's It's less than a pack of cigarettes nowadays. Like who cares?
1: Right. Exactly. So that was, I guess that was how I got into Dark Souls proper. I was like, all right, I need to, I need to try this again. It seems better. And uh, I did a thing that made my friend really, really furious, uh, which is uh, she, she is way better at this game than I am. Like, she will mm-hmm. play through the entire game at level one without a weapon. And uh, I, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to play this game with a walkthrough open the entire time. From the start, I'm going to know where everything is because I don't get any enjoyment out of the, just an enemy jumping out from behind the thing and killing you and sending you back. Uh, I'd rather just learn everything about this game so I can understand why people like it. So I had the, I guess, Fextra Life full guide, every zone. I would play for five minutes, glance over at the second screen, read what was coming up, play for another five minutes, and just play through the entire game that way.
0: Was that like effective? Like did you find yourself like actually like knowing what was coming where you find yourself like capable of
1: overcoming it? Like whether it was enemies or a boss or what have you? So it definitely made things easier because I wasn't getting jumped all the time, Uh, and I was getting 100% of the treasures, obviously. It's a super comprehensive guide. I was playing a sorcerer because I wanted to be a cool wizard, and I guess just through luck, that turns out to be the PvE slaying class in Dark Souls 1 by a mile, Mm
2: -hmm. uh,
1: at least for the initial run. So I was doing 10 times the damage that I needed to be doing, and I I just blew through the game pretty easily. It felt like uh, like I didn't die. Like I never got killed by Ornstein and Smo. I never lost to the Atlanta Orlando Archers. Uh,
0: like, yeah, I, I like, can just I can just hear like everybody like everybody's neck turning and looking at their like podcasts going. You never did what?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like I, I and it's that's why it was really funny. Uh, to sort of like move into uh, the Souls community. Afterwards, and see what people were saying. Just read all of these things. I was like, man, that doesn't that doesn't wow line up with my experience of the game at all. Maybe uh, maybe get good. No, but
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> real quick, like, do you is that a way that you approach games a lot? Like, do you often like look at a wiki to try to make sure that you get 100 out of a game as you're playing it the first time, or is that unique to Dark Souls?
1: So that's that's unique. I don't think it's unique to Dark Souls, but it's just, it's not usual. Uh, I play a lot of games that are very heavily narrative-based, where looking at a wiki would defeat the purpose of the game. But Dark Souls is a game where even if you know everything about a boss, you still have to actually perform and defeat them. Mm-hmm. Like you could, like I, when I played Bloodborne, I spent you know like two hours fighting Father Gascoigne, and I knew every move that he could do after three or four tries, but that didn't, like, that didn't make it easier, per se. I, I still had to actually pull it off. Sure. Uh, so, that, I, I feel like there are definitely people who come to Dark Souls looking to, sort of, discover everything for themselves and don't want to be spoiled, and I just didn't, like, that was not interesting to me. Uh, I actually... I think that the story of Dark Souls, which is something I care a lot about when I think about Dark Souls, Mm -hmm. I think the actual text of the story of Dark Souls is not particularly interesting. It's a fairly generic, like, fall of the gods fantasy story, right? It's the way it's told that's interesting, and I don't think that you could spoil the way it's told because that's experiential, not uh, textual.
0: So was it mostly like a lore thing at that point for you to go go through the game like looking at that Wikipedia and then going back to the game back and forth, or were you kind of enjoying the mechanics at the same time?
1: It was it was definitely a mechanical thing. I okay. feel like I did most of the like I I got into the lore stuff after playing through okay. the game, uh, just because the lore is not apparent in Dark Souls. You know, that's that's a shocking statement, I know, but. <laughs> it's not it, it's it's not something that it hits you over the head with if you don't look for it.
0: Yeah, that's a that's that's a question i ask on this podcast a lot, which is like how long did it take you to realize like that the shitty sword you just picked up probably was relaying important story information to you that you never bothered to look at cuz it's a shitty sword. Right. <laughs> so like how what like when did you start picking up on on those kind of breadcrumbs or was the wikipedia kind of helping you through that?
1: Um i think part of it was my friend who was just like i'm not going to tell you anything but Tell me where you are so I can ask you questions so once I know I won't be spoiling it. Okay. And she would ask me stuff and be like, oh, did you did you figure out why uh, Smo smashed Ornstein when you, you died? like, did you figure out why they hate each other? And I was like, uh no. No, I didn't. <laughs> so it was definitely interesting to go through and sort of have somebody who was really just waiting for me to finish so she could talk about it with me, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's probably not uncommon. I think a lot of people get into this franchise because a friend is like, "You have gotta play this game."
0: Having having been that friend that like tries to poke people into going to play Dark Souls, a- absolutely. Like, I think I think that's where. Word... I think that's one of the great things about Dark Souls One that you won't necessarily hear about Dark Souls Two or Three. I mm-hmm. think Bloodborne is the same way. Of like, you actually have people that are like, "I want to share this experience with you." Like, I had so much fun seeing the Gaping Dragon for the first time, or um, coming up out of Blighttown and finding the Firekeeper dead. Like, that I want mm-hmm. to see you go through that same thing. Like, I want to, I want to share that experience with you again. Yep.
1: Yeah. and a friend of mine that I introduced the series to, then went and did that for a bunch of his friends, and he would just spectate them through steam watching as they play, mm-hmm. and he's like and he he would be chatty be like oh man i they're about to do this it's gonna be really good
0: um yeah when you're watching somebody stream this game um huh. it's it's really interesting to me the way that twitch chat usually behaves like if it's a if it's a cool person streaming and they have a relatively cool chat and not just like twitch garbage people then like when you come up to an important Dark Souls thing, like Twitch chat dies. Nobody wants to say anything. (laughs) Just nobody. Everyone's just like, okay, everybody just watch. (laughs) And it's really like, that usually doesn't happen with games. Like usually they're like, oh no, wait, wait, you have this coming up and you need to do this and this and this. But everybody like literally wants to see people like go through those, those same gotcha moments.
1: Right. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where to, where to go from there. That's, that's how I got into Dark Souls, I guess. Mm -hmm. Good episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to finish the game for the first time?
1: Um, let's see. Not terribly long, considering I have like work and a life. Mm-hmm. But Dark Souls, especially if you know what to do, is not a very long game. I don't. I don't know what the speed run for it is, but
0: when you glitched renew- or unglitched, because I. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I'm, I am well versed. <laughs> okay, I don't know what the what the speed run for a hundred percent completion is. Oh, because 100%. I was I because I was I doing I I wanted to see every zone and I wanted to get every re, everything that I could reasonably get. I mean, I didn't max out all the covenants or whatever. That that seemed like a colossal waste of time. But uh, I definitely went to every zone, killed every boss, killed all the optional bosses. I wanted to make sure that I had. Sort of seen what the game had to offer.
0: Did you do any of the multiplayer stuff, whether it was PvP or helping other people out or bringing other people in?
1: Uh, not in Darkselves one, really. I uh, I didn't really understand the the invasion system, other than I didn't want people to be coming in and killing me while I was trying to explore the space. So I never was human. It seemed mm. like that. Seems like humanity was a resource that I might want later. So I just built up those items and it was like the problem of potions in JRPGs right you never use your potions because you might need them later and then you get to the final boss and you have 5000 potions
0: <laughs> yeah uh, that's one reason I like with the changes that they made to Bloodborne of like mm-hmm. um, limiting to how, how much stuff that you can carry like it really made me want to use those items more because like I, I knew that yeah. I only could carry so many like there's a, it's a real subtle difference there but carrying 10 of something makes me want to use it more mm-hmm. than carrying 99,000 of something
1: right but I in Dark Souls two I did a lot of the multiplayer stuff. I, I maxed out a couple of those games. That was the only one that I did like I got all of the achievements in Dark Souls two and and I did not do that in one or in three.
0: Man, that's a that's a trial because like if you're Unless you go to like new game two and buy like all of those particular spells, like getting the oh, getting all of the achievements in that game is kind of a pain in the ass. With them.
1: yeah, it took me to I think new game three or four for the last spell was what yeah. I have to do, and so I just I just did it that way because I was not grinding to five thousand kills or whatever the Red covenant <laughs> wants me to do. So no, thank you.
0: So if you came to Dark Souls late, like. When you after you finished Dark Souls, like how long did it take you to think like, okay, I need to go check out Dark Souls two now? Like, were you kind of enamored with the game? Had you consumed a lot of media? Did you go back to your friend's episode of Bonfire Side Chat with like the knowledge and kind of interest now? Or
1: yeah, I went back and I listened to the entire first season just to see what persp- like what other people's perspectives were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think as I finished Dark Souls one, Scholar was about to come out. So I just was, I think that I was working to finish it before Scholar came out. So I would be ready to play that at the same time as everybody else was playing it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I just bought Scholar when it came out and was like, all right, I don't need to buy Dark Souls 2. Um, I could just buy this better version. And that will be my experience of Dark Souls 2.
0: That makes it even more impressive that you get all of the achievements because getting all of the uh, extra spells and things and weapons from the DLC packs that they put into Scholar, like that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> those DLCs were pretty difficult.
1: Yeah, I think, it's, I think that Dark Souls 2, I don't want to say it's the best Dark Souls game, but I think it has the most interesting end game because the covenants in that are, I think, the most diverse and most interesting to play with in the long term really so yeah like which, which one specifically well i just like the variety of options so i don't i like that you don't lose standing with covenants that was a huge deal which yeah. encouraged me to actually swap because i just stayed like way of white until i got to uh Quillag's covenant and then i was that for the rest of the game because i didn't want to make anyone mad oh, no, i know i swapped to forest hunters when i found that and then i swapped out when i got to, because i wanted to save solaire and then that was just the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, I went to Forest Hunters because I didn't want to fight those guys. They're frustrating. Uh, but yeah, in Dark Souls 2, you've got so many different options for multiplayer because you could be a blue guy who is a helper, or you could be a yellow guy who is a more traditional helper, or you could be a red and PvP people, or you could do like weird minigame PvP with the bells and the rats. And... I think that the sort of requirement for maxing out some of those covenants is unreasonable, but the, I like that they encouraged long-term play and recognized it with like the improved auras around your character that would show up in multiplayer for different, uh, different covenant tiers. I think if they had tweaked a little bit of the, a little bit, the numbers required, that would have been better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the bloodbrew specifically, I've talked about it on this podcast Mm -hmm. before, but the 500 more wins than losses stat right. like just yeah. boggles my mind. Not even just 500 wins, which is right. you know that in itself of like a kind of a huge deal to get. Like I doubt very few people that have ever played Dark Souls PvP like have 500 wins in it, regardless yeah. of. And then
1: you have to go to Scholar and start all over.
0: Yeah, yeah, like it's it's insane. I got I got the level two aura in vanilla. I never bought, really bothered with uh, Scholar, but yeah. Man, that level 3 aura, though. Ooh, just never going to get it.
1: Yeah, I never saw anybody with it.
0: Yeah. So. What did you think about the the difference in storytelling and the kind of overall plot structure of Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2?
1: I think that Dark Souls 1, in terms of the story, I think that Dark Souls 2 has a really much more constrained narrative. It's, it's very narrow in its focus. It's about this one guy... And you meet that guy and you find out what happened to that guy. And there are some side stories to that, but they're they're not they're only ever in service of what happened to Vendrick and Vendrick's kingdom or the surrounding area. Whereas Dark Souls is more about the story of an entire world. And sort of the implications, like nothing that happens in Vendrick's kingdom has any implication for anything outside of Vendrick's kingdom. Which I think we see Dark Souls three like none of that stuff mattered right. Just who cares? We're not even going to bring it up. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I, I think that's fine. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I, I like that. And this is a thing that they did with the DLC. They sort of they used Dark Souls two to wrap up the Artorias DLC. Like, that was that was sort of the point of that. I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I guess the DLC for Dark Souls Two wraps up the wrap up. I don't even know.
0: You're well, just like uh, dealing the, with the, d- the fallout. Yeah, the DLC for um, <laughs> it's like Cheers and Frasier, right? Like, right, yeah. Dark Souls One is Cheers, and Dark Souls Two is like Frasier, where you get to know what happened with this one specific character for probably way too much detail <laughs> after yep. several seasons. Um, I, I, I ended up really, really liking it, but it took me a long time to get there. Like, I, I think it's especially as someone who played vanilla and then played each DLC as it came out, and then waited and then played out through all of Scholar. Like, it just took a little bit too long for me to put it together. But that's that's uh-huh. not the fault of the game developer like that. That's on me. So,
1: right? No, I really liked Dark Souls Two. I think what I, something that I've said that has gotten people angry in the past is I think Dark Souls Two is a better video game than Dark Souls One. But I think that Dark Souls One is a better like work of art than dark souls
0: two. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's such an objective statement that like, I don't know why people would get mad at you for saying that. Like, cause I said dark souls I,
1: two was good.
0: Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's, you're not going to get that hate on this podcast because yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty dark souls agnostic here. Like I'm not the biggest fan of dark souls two, but I'm also like, not one of those dudes who are like dark souls two is shit. Um, yeah. my, my problems with dark souls two are, are way more mechanical and, um, like pvp changes and the way that weapons work and things like that that's that's where all my issues lie so when it comes to plot and story like is it a good game i'm yeah i don't really care because i think it's a great game like it's fun
1: yeah i think that dark souls one felt better in terms of more things being viable like i hit a point in dark souls 2 where i was playing i decided to play i still wanted to be a caster but i wanted to not be a wizard again i was a faith caster like. Oh, your miracles just don't do any damage anymore. Like everything just resists. I've heard that that's true with magic as well. You can build one very specific path that makes magic okay and not viable in PvP at all. But it really, really favors like running around with a giant two-hand air strength guy in terms of yeah. especially the DLC. Like those DLCs are way overtuned for the rest of the game for where you will be like everything just has so much health does so much damage
0: uh, it's ridiculous like they that, that was the first sign that they were like trying to start and they, they were starting to believe their own hype about dark souls being like the you know you will die like all that all the kind of hype and marketing around it about how difficult it was was like was yeah. enemies having you know taken eight hits to kill in uh the crown of the sunken king
1: yeah and that's why i didn't engage more with bloodborne was uh i don't i don't own a ps4 so like that's a that's a huge barrier for me to playing bloodborne but i went i was home for the holidays and i uh went to my brother has a ps4 and he had it there so i was playing on his on while i was home and i got up to uh vicar Amelia and got her down to like whatever it is a third of her health maybe where she casts her heal spell and wasn't like she just healed all the way to full. Uh, eventually, eventually, as a result, she just had more resources than me, and I died. And I went online and was like, "How do I, how do I stop her from doing that?" I was like, "Oh, just hit her enough times. If you do enough damage, you'll knock her out of it." And I just was unable to do enough damage. It didn't matter how much my output was; I could not knock her out of that. And I was like, "Well, that's really discouraging. Like that is just you can't beat this boss right now." And clearly, mechanically, I had the ability to dodge all of her attacks and get her health down super low. But it was just like, oh, do this much damage in this window or you lose. Hmm. And I felt like that about Gascoigne's second half as well. Once he transforms into a wolf, I felt like he just became a meat wall. And I think that maybe that's something a lot of people felt because when I complained about it, uh, somebody responded, all of Bloodborne.jpg. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. If if those things were bothering you um then yeah the the rest of the game probably like every single boss with the except with some notable exceptions have has just way too much health and then once you start getting into things like the Chalice Dungeons, and they start halving your health, and you know increasing the health of the the bosses, like it's it's pretty insane. Like I, I have YouTube videos where like it took me like literally thirteen minutes straight of not fucking up to beat one single boss, and that's that's just insanity. Like it's fun and I enjoy it, but like I can definitely see that totally turning people off.
1: Right, and I liked like the fact that you can beat Dark Souls naked, level one, no weapons, if you're good enough. Like you could, you could. Uh, how do you do that in Bloodborne? I don't know. Like, I don't know if you have the damage output to be able to do that.
0: I would, I would say no. Except that fucking Lobos Jr. has already done it. Like, okay. new game seven well, DLC hardest bosses in the game, fist only, no backstab. Like the whole nine. Like it's insanity. Okay.
1: Like one guy yeah. can do it. Yeah, <laughs> one dude. <laughs> hmm. Well, Miyazaki said he doesn't believe that anybody's beaten Dark Souls without taking a hit, right? Even that there's a video of somebody doing it.
0: <laughs> I haven't heard that particular anecdote, but that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, there, it was in the news, I don't know, a couple months ago. Some guy did it, and I guess they got him to comment. He's just like, I don't believe that anybody has done that. They're like, there's a video, of. he's like, nope. I feel
0: like, I feel like if I was a famous game developer and, um, like the gaming journalist of the world like were coming after me and like asking me like what do you think about this one dude beat your game like this that's that's exactly what i would say no matter what it was i'd be like i don't believe it It didn't happen i gotta go i gotta go make video games a, <laughs> like that's just the easiest answer to that question
1: because <laughs> he doesn't like he doesn't let anybody record his uh, voice or video of him
0: yeah that's that's a baller move right like yeah.
1: no, no, no like, the no. mystique will be broken Exactly. You Nobody know, can. You can know what I look like, but you can't know what I sound like.
0: <laughs> dude, dude probably sounds like the refrigerator. Like, give me the ball.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that'd be pretty funny.
1: Yeah. And then I, yeah, I guess. And then back, back on, back on track. I bought also bought Dark Souls three when it came out, and played through it. I don't know. And, well,
0: real, real quick, like between Dark Souls two, Scholar, like, mm-hmm. and Dark Souls three, like what was your feelings on kind of like, how much do you get into like the hype of these games? It's like, were you like seeing the announcement and getting real excited? Were you kind of disappointed with the way that Namco handled all of the marketing stuff? Or did you not just, were you just was, not paying attention and just like, I'm just going to get it the day it comes Marketing
1: out? controversy. I don't know about that. I'll, I know that I would, somebody would link a trailer and I'd watch it and be like, yep, looks exactly like what I want more. Okay. More of the same thing. Like just, just keep feeding me the same scoop from that trough every six months. So I'll, I'll keep buying it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so I bought dark, like I had a, I pre-ordered dark souls three with the, with the DLC pack. Just, I was like, I know I'm going to buy it anyway. Why not? I'll just buy the bundle now and not worry about it later. And played through it. I think I probably beat it in maybe five days within a, within a week of it coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, all right. I felt like it was a little too long. Uh, there was a point at the end where I I was just like, all right, I I'm not gonna bother trying to beat these bosses anymore. I'm just gonna bring a friend with me, and we're gonna we're gonna mow through it because I want to see the ending
0: you know I, I didn't ask this when we were talking about Dark Souls 2 but were you playing Dark Souls 2 and then Dark Souls 3 the same way that you played Dark Souls 1 like obviously no. Dark Souls 3 you didn't have a wikipedia there because that was still so new but like were you did you go through Dark Souls 2 like looking up stuff or were you at that point just kind of going through the game naturally
1: no i went through the game uh without looking stuff up for Dark Souls 2 because i wanted to see i wanted to, i figured i had sufficiently mastered sort of what the thesis of a Dark Souls game was in terms of how it's like the combat works and what you're looking for and all of the, yeah. all the little nuances to play that I wanted to see what it was like to sort of explore the space and contrast that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was any better. It was different. Do you,
0: do you think that that was um, also came from like a confidence of skill like that? Cause like, Dark Souls plays relatively uniquely among just about any video game out there. Like, were you just kind of used to the systems at that point? So you felt like you could do it, like, without knowing that there's an enemy around the corner coming at you? Like, you yeah, didn't to deal probably. with those situations?
1: Yeah, I think, like, I was just like, I'm, I'm good enough at this now that getting jumped won't kill me. So it doesn't matter if I get jumped. And then I, uh, I guess and then I just played it. And I did end up looking up some things because there are just some things that you can't know. Like the things are super obscure. But <laughs> yeah, in terms, they of, always bury some stuff in there. Yeah, like I, like I did not figure out how to get to one of the belfries. I was just like, where? I've got all this map filled in, and there's one zone that's still black. Which which one is it? And so I would look up which which zone I didn't go to. Um, but for the for the main play, yeah, I I mostly went through it without looking stuff up.
0: And then, for Dark Souls Three, like if you were kind of unaware of the the marketing that went around it, like you know there was significant portions of the first part of that game like on YouTube and twitch like months before it came out basically uh, yeah was, i didn't um, didn't
1: watch any of that in that
0: case like how when you started seeing like the immediate um references to Dark Souls One, were you kind of into those, or were you kind of like what are what are they even doing here
1: no i I'm a person who and this is a thing that Gary and I have had a long argument about several times. Like I'm super into the callbacks in dark souls one because I read the marketing or the dev interview or whatever beforehand that was like, yeah, we're, we're wrapping up dark souls. Like we're going to try and resolve all of the story thing. Like it's where you're going to get all your answers. And you can argue about whether they actually delivered that or not. But I went in expecting like, Oh, I'm going to just get a bunch of information that's relatively clear cut about what everything, what was going on because there's no other way to conclude a story. Uh, Like you, you can't just add new mysteries. It's going to be a lot of, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Because if you think about dark souls as sort of like a three act play, you can build up a lot of mystery in act one and act two. But if you want to provide a satisfying narrative resolution, that brings closure. you know there are plenty of, sh- of works of media that don't bring closure in their endings, but if that since that was what they stated they were doing, I was just like, all right, I'm on board for that. That's what they said they're going to do. Show it to me.
0: Do you think Dark Souls, as a franchise, holds up to that Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 structure? And very specifically, do you think Dark Souls 3 actually holds up to like an actual satisfying narrative conclusion?
1: So... I think it does for me because of the ending that I got in Dark Souls 3. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know Miyazaki has said like he has a very specific vision about what Dark Souls is about and how the story progresses and concludes, but he's not going to tell anybody because he doesn't want to ruin what they think it's about. But I also had an interview where he was like, yeah, none of the endings of Dark Souls 3 are more canon than the other, but there's one that's relatively hard to get maybe that one's a little more candid than the others something like that and uh that felt like a conclusion to me in a way that i was satisfied with like this in a way that the similar endings for the for the prior two did not mm-hmm. because of specific language that was used i don't know when i wanted to like just talk about spoilers people people are gonna get mad at, about spoilers on this podcast
0: Oh no no we have okay. an open open policy okay. so like we yeah, can so talk like, about whatever like I, I assume that if you're listening to this podcast you've played like at the time we're recording this it's about a couple of weeks after the DLC came out like you should have already listened to, you should have already played the DLC by now so yeah, spoil so, whatever you want to
1: yeah so the fact that dark souls is a game about cycles and seeing a bunch of a bunch of stuff from the first game made a lot of sense given that it was a cycle like i it makes sense that there is another one of Sigward, because if the cycle is continuing to repeat, of course there's going to be another one of him. There's going to be another one of Andre, or maybe the same Andre, whatever. There's going to be another fire that needs to be lit. But Dark Souls 3's ending, where you usurp the fire, indicates that the fire has been like there is, it's not that it's dark or been relit, it's now repurposed. Like you have t- you have taken the place of that fire, in a way that the other, the endings for the first two games were more binary. Hmm. And I think that that hinges on the word usurpation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting that, that you got that for your first ending as ending because I did too. Like that was, and this kind of lucked out into all of that stuff and was very very happy. And I I I think that. That almost increased my enjoyment of Dark Souls mm-hmm. Three, kind of as a as a story, yeah. seeing that ending. Because i I've going back and like doing the other two endings, or I guess two and a half endings or whatever. Like, I don't really have any kind of affection for those at all. But that that Lord of Hollows ending is something special.
1: Yeah, and I was really happy that in the DLC they were like, "Oh, hey, you're the Lord of Hollows." I was like, "Yes, thank you for acknowledging my <laughs> <ice by> my conquest."
0: <laughs> I really enjoyed that too. Like, right. the Homegirl is just like, "Oh, I know who you are, and we have some vague connection." together, and I for a little bit I thought that you were, if you would only get the ring that she gives you if you were the Lord of Hollows, but apparently she just gives it out to any motherfucker that comes along, so so oh well. I
1: had been, I, I knew that she was the final boss, mm-hmm. and I what I had thought was, oh, she's a hostile character, but if you're the Lord of Hollows, she starts out friendly because of her connections to the church. And I, that would have been really interesting, but apparently she's just friendly all the time, and then turns mm-hmm. hostile. It's like, hmm, I want to Man, if if Bioware were to were to make some Dark Souls stuff with the b- crazy branching narrative, that would be that'd be good. Yeah. But Telltale Games Dark Souls game that's that's gotta <laughs> be in the works, right? There's there's no way they don't have that license along with every I, other license. To- I, I,
0: I've, I have said the words out loud before, and I know what's going to happen, and I'm just waiting for Bamco to announce it. But you're when Solaire shows up in some sort of dating 3DS game or something, you, yes. you know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. right? They're going to license these characters to like. Yep. Yep. You know They're gonna show up as I don't know, like it's some sort of weird JRPG thing. I, I know that you can build your own characters and no, that's Soul Calibur, you can do that. Like, like, so is gonna show up in Tekken at some point. Like if they're if they know what they're doing at all, like all of that stuff's gonna happen. So just wait. Yeah, before. so
1: something I was thinking about this morning while I was thinking about getting ready for this was there's the Dark Souls franchise. I think part of the reason it's so popular is because it's able to become whatever the player wants it to be so if you're looking for like a really interesting sort of world-building narrative experience where you can discover secrets it's got you if you want to be a guy who like likes the really old like pre-super nintendo zelda games that are all about exploration like it's got you if you want to double down and get good uh, or pvp and hard be hardcore about that it's got you. And like, as of dark souls three, if you want it to be a dating simulator, like you can get married in this game. (laughs) Like it's got you there too. Like it it is, it is able to really adapt to whatever a person is looking for in a game. I guess like, maybe it's not a racing game, but you can make it a racing game. You could probably like clear out a bunch of dudes in the pontiff area and then race around that, that courtyard. Like it's a, like it's a racetrack.
0: Well, you know, they brought back the uh, Lost Isolith slide in, Dark, in the Dark Souls 3 DLC. Like, there's that hill yeah. that you can literally do. So, like, summon a buddy, <laughs> run a jump, and you can yep. make it to the bottom first wins, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about, I, like, I, I also didn't hate Lost Isolith, which is apparently a thing that is not a popular opinion. I was just like, oh, okay, some lava.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's some... Like the game, Lost Izalith is like very specifically unfinished. Like there's like geometry problems in that level. Like sure, like I didn't didn't straight up any of them. Yeah, I, um, when I was
1: playing through. I I noticed nothing about which people complain. I was like, oh,
0: huh. Yeah. Ah, I, I think that was it's just me. I think it's just um like compared to the run up of going getting the seeth and to compare to the run up of Nito and then mm-hmm. howled like. Both of those bosses are have their issues like individually, but I think overall, like, really sells the fact that you're actually killing a Lord of the Flame or whatever. Like, I I think that level leading up to that is disappointing. Yeah, and and, and leading up to that boss fight, and like everything going up to there, exactly. Then I think that's the problem. And you could argue that, like, hey, like it's supposed to be nothing there. Like, this is a burned out city that they fucked up. Like, that's Mm -hmm. that's there's not supposed to be anything there. But I just think it was like comparing it to the other two, just doesn't really.
1: I don't know. It's just kind of. Uh. But that was see. This is why I I really liked Isolde in uh, in Dark Souls 3, And I know I know that you and I have had a discussion about that, um, because I like I felt it was really satisfying to just run around and see all the corpses of demons that I had really come to dislike in Dark Souls one piled up. <laughs> yeah. And you we were like, no, it's a boring Chalice dungeon. I never played the Chalice dungeons. I'm not burned out on those. I've never seen one well, of those yeah. before. So like maybe that had something to do with it, but. It's like, okay. well, and also,
0: they, there's all those corpses of the of the Caper demon, but none of the corpses of my favorite enemy in Dark Souls one, like those weird, like upside down octopus dudes. Like, where are those guys? Know, those at?
1: Man, I don't know. Those there were only a small number of those dudes. I know, and, but there. they have the
0: best grab attack. It's so they're so yeah. great.
1: Yeah, they also lived in a weird water place, like underground. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they were uh, endangered already and and didn't make it, but yeah i i didn't have a problem i like, i was just like oh it's Isolith and that worm came up and i was like oh it's so and i was like uh that, that's that i don't actually think that works." <laughs> <up." laughs> but uh i i've heard that theory
0: yeah I, I i'm not a fan of that of that theory myself i just like th- there's there's a way that dark souls 3 treats mm-hmm. stuff in dark souls 1 and there's a way that it treats dark souls 2 and like I find the addition of like kind of smug item descriptions really weird and like, because there's some things in like when they I'm trying to remember what, what weapon it is and I'm not it's gonna It's like remember. the king's I'm,
1: weapon, it's just like, oh I guess he was nothing after all.
0: Yeah. Like it's some it's some like backhanded shit. Like and I'm like, What are you what what are you, what are you doing? And then they go like I don't know, out of their way to do this weird Solaire stuff and I I think it's really I think it's just my exhaustion with the community as a whole, and
1: I, I'm for as many- curious how much of that is translation stuff and how much of that is in the original. I don't speak Japanese, uh, but I've done like I've done a bunch of reading about original descriptions, and they like they can substantially change the meaning of things based on the wording. Like a lot of people, when Dark Souls three came out, thought that. Uh, Aldrich ate Nito because he's the devourer of gods and he's got that skull dress. But in the ja- like his name in Japanese is like the God devourer. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not plural. And Japanese is weird such that like it could be plural or singular, but it's not explicitly plural. And there's no evidence that he has eaten anybody other than Gwendolyn.
0: If you want to uh, take a dive into that stuff, there's a guy on the DuckFeed Slack called uh, WeGraph.
1: Yeah, he and that. I have talked a lot about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. done, like, various—he's done—like, I used to have a paste bin of where, like, all of the various translations that he had done back and forth, to, for, to specifically for, like, trying to figure out what had gotten lost in translation and what, it, what things could Yeah,
1: My, Yeah. The, the one that I'm, like, tracking and haven't figured out yet is what is the, the old family—like, the old royal family— because mm-hmm. it's really ambiguous what that means uh is it like is it the ruling class of an orlando is it the ruling class of lothric are those the same thing when when um i think there's an item description that says like the the pontiff imprisoned a, a god of the old religion in the cathedral or something but that could be construed to mean that he was a god that the old religion worshipped or that he was like a god some it's it's just it's it's really ambiguous. There's a link, there's a there's a blog post that just goes into all of this stuff if I don't know if you've seen it. Um the same guy did a bunch of stuff for Dark Souls 2, explaining what, for example, Icarus Earth is, and the answer is that's a mistranslation.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha w- <laughs> yeah that doesn't surprise me at all
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, that is that is a meaningless phrase yeah. but uh yeah or like uh what is it brightstone coved Seldora, is also just a mistranslation
0: again does not surprise me at yeah. all like you know because it's, it's extraordinarily difficult to kind of get these kind of uh, huge emotional feelings and ideas across in multiple different languages mm-hmm. and have them be accurate so
1: yeah and the um i, I, find that I guess um, i've i've worked on game localization so like that stuff is just fascinating to me so
0: yeah going um i guess looking forward like what do you see as your desire from the next like few games or from software like there's been some pretty public rumors about them doing an armored core game there's a a different style souls game or something and then it's something like totally unexpected or or whatever like what would you like personally for for just for you like where would you like to see those guys explore
1: so well, they've got one more DLC left. I don't know if that counts in the question that you're you're asking. Yeah, it's, I mean, I figured like
0: up. you you got the season pass, like you're you're into that. <laughs> I was I was yeah. more looking after that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I I would be perfectly happy if they never made another one of these again, and if Miyazaki was to just were to just say, uh, nope, like I've I've achieved my vision for this. I've I told the story I wanted to tell, and I want to do something new and different and creative. I don't think that that's ultimately what's going to happen because, uh, like, from software is a business that needs to keep making money. So I don't know if we'll get to see like something similar but different in the way that Bloodborne was, or if he'll—I don't know—make that Solar dating game that you were talking about. Uh, Talk, I'm not,
0: talking about and wishing for, just yeah. want to make that pretty clear.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not like I—I would—I don't have any expectations or like desires for what their next project should be i i think I'd, i'll just take it as i hear about it if it looks interesting then i'll buy it i'm not i know that there are some people who are like married to a company in terms of what they produce they'll just buy anything mm-hmm. but i don't feel that way about from software um i've I'd never played any of their games before this souls games i don't have a lot of interest in Kingsfield other than sort of academically to see what they learned from it to make Dark Souls, because I liked Dark Souls. Uh, Arbored Core is also just not something that I'm super interested in. But, like, they made a good thing. They've certainly won the ability for me to be interested if they say they're doing a new thing, but I'm not just going to sort of follow them. And I think that that's probably just smart consumerism in any context. Like don't just sure. blindly. Yeah, don't it. just buy just don't buy shit blindly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um you know, don't pre order stuff, says everybody. I pre ordered <laughs> Dark Souls three. And you know I think that there's a line there. Like I knew that I was gonna enjoy Dark Souls three. Like I as long, unless they had done something wildly different from Dark Souls one and two, which I had gleaned that they weren't doing, it was just gonna be more Dark Souls. That's what it was. It was just more Dark Souls. And I have a friend who played Dark Souls 3. I, like, I had to carry him through the ending because he was just – he played one and then two and then three all in a row for his first time ever played it. But he had just burned out on Dark Souls by the end.
0: Yeah, seriously. I can only imagine. Yep. Like yep. Th- Those games are grinding in a way that like yep. very few games are. So.
1: Yeah. I don't know Jim. Uh, I don't know if you know Jim Crawford who uh, was the guy I worked for uh, on Frog Fractions says that he like he played Dark Souls and then he played Bloodborne and then he was done. He's not going to. Pro- he doesn't think he's ever going to play two or three because the games feel like work, and he enjoys the games a lot, but they feel. Like, he said they feel like work to him in the way that like, you do a full day's worth of work and then you can't like you're done for the day. And any day that he sits down and plays a Souls game, he gets that same, I've done work today. I like I can't do anything else feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's not very good for his productivity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I but, can understand but that.
1: But he's not sure that he, like, he doesn't think he would get anything substantially different out of the second and the third ones, having played one and having played Bloodborne. But he enjoyed them while he was playing them, and I think that, you know, that's probably how a lot of people feel, and that's probably how I feel in terms of, I don't know if I need to play Frum's next title. Gotcha. If it, if it were just Dark Souls 4, I'd play it because I enjoy Dark Souls but they're not they're not doing that apparently
0: it's it's interesting to me because, like I look at games like The Last Guardian mm-hmm. and Dark Souls Three is something I knew I would buy, I knew I would enjoy to some degree like I've kind of mm-hmm. have this weird obsession with the game that's probably not totally healthy, but like something like the Last Guardian is like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what that game is. I have no idea like if I'm going to enjoy it or not but I have to play it. And like that's probably yeah. the only case I will pre-order something. Like I want to be I want to experience it for whatever reason so the I had to pre-order. The game's never coming out. I know. I know. I'm not I mean like <laughs> by the time this podcast comes out, which would be probably in several months, like it'll be delayed to 2017 or 2019 yeah. and it's just never going to exist.
1: So you had I, don't even a, know why I brought it up. They had a really big display at E3 this year of the the last guardian that would it's like I I don't know if it had a camera in it or something, but it would it would interact with you if you walked by it and made gestures at it or whatever. I was yeah, like, oh, they've, man, they've been
0: this, carrying that around for a while. It's been this game <laughs> It's that real... for like three years. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like,
1: oh, this, this game is a real thing, but like it's still not out, so I don't think it is.
0: I, and not to get totally off the subject, but I love the fact that like as we're getting close to the you know, quote unquote release date, like all of this shit that they've had prepared date. for like year like they'd have a art book they have a vinyl release of the soundtrack like they must have had all of this stuff planned and just had to hold it for you know however like ugh, this is so funny yeah
1: anyway i'm sorry i don't know um how, i don't know if I, I guess i don't have a ps4 so i won't play that game but like even if i did i don't know if i would play it because i wasn't a huge fan of shadow of the colossus yeah
0: and see i'm, another, I'm coming from a place Xen. where I, I, yeah i really like those games so i gotta i gotta, yeah. I gotta check it out yeah um well justin thank you very much for coming on the podcast i, I very problem. much appreciate it would you uh tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet and all yeah, the things that you yeah, do you
1: can you can find me uh i'm on twitter at lord and Puff. uh you can you can read all my quality tweets there you can uh i do a podcast where i interview game developers although i haven't interviewed anybody from from software uh they i, I think that might not happen and you can find that at uh, redpagespodcast.com. I do that with uh, two of my friends, including the one who burned out on Dark Souls. So, uh, we, we recently just uh, talked about the DLC, and we have a spinoff podcast of that called Dark Pages Podcast that uh, goes out irregularly where we specifically look at the level design in certain Dark Souls 1 areas. I don't know if we're going to cover all of them because, I like, guess, interesting as Ash Lake's level design is, it's not something you fill an entire podcast with
0: sure yeah Uh, yeah.
1: but uh yeah you can find that stuff there um i don't know if there's anything else you can find stuff i've written on like gamma sutra uh uh, frog fractions 2 is a video game that may or may not be out i'm not allowed to say and uh (laughs) or dividing in that game so uh if if you found it let us know we're really curious (laughs) Uh, yeah i think i think that's it
0: Cool. Well, as always, I've been your host Jeremy Greer at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. If you'd like to come onto the show and tell your soul story like Justin did, send me an email: Podcast at podcast And as always, remember, don't give up, skeleton.
1: Yeah, that was that was my friend. Uh, my she her favorite part was the skeleton messages of Dark Souls too, I think. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a.